All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today, we will be covering the two most recent episodes of Succession. Episode six, What It Takes. You may have caught my solo recap of this last week, but I have Sona back from vacation and she, I have many questions for her about this episode. And then we will be covering Succession episode 3.7, seventh episode of season three, Too Much Birthday. So that's the most recent <laughs> one. And yeah, Too Much Birthday indeed. <laughs> really? <laughs> But let's start with what it takes, which was the sixth episode of the season, because I have, so I'm going to share some audio with you right now. I have a legal question for you. And oh, I know no. your expertise is not, you know, the caveat here as usual, everybody, <laughs> Sona's expertise is not maritime law, but, <laughs> but this is all gobbledygook to me. So uh, maybe into to the listeners as well. So maybe you can help us with this. So this is early in the episode last week, uh, what it takes when Kendall's lawyer takes him into that room where they're jigsawing, as they say, the papers together. Yeah. And this is the conversation they have. It's only about a minute. You know, Waystar is now cooperating, helpfully offering up one billion pages of documents, hiring White Shoe, former DOJ types to conduct an internal that looks super scrupulous, offering up employees for talks with DOJ and worker safety protocols around cruises. We can adjust, but this isn't a slam dunk here. Uh-huh, but mm -hmm. the papers... I mean, once you pull everything out that falls under other jurisdictions or maritime law or is privileged or is outside the statute of limitations. But an FCPA angle obviates those objections. Well, the stuff that works for Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is inferential. Waystar was careful. So you're saying the papers are bullshit? I'm just saying they lack some of the explosiveness it was suggested they might have. I can reposition the context in the public arena. Maybe. maybe. I'm kind of off there because he's going to start talking about trying to smear the company in public, which is not really legal talk. But what are they talking about there? I mean, I understand some of that. You know, obviously there's like a statute of limitations if maybe they have some really damning evidence from 30 years ago or something that's outside that. But what are some of these other things? The FCPA, what was some of that other stuff, if you could provide any insight? Okay, well, Wikipedia says, <laughs> prohibits U.S. citizens and entities from bribing foreign government officials to benefit their business interests. Ah, interesting. But it might be out of jurisdiction. Is that what they're saying there? So maybe this was well, something. You know, yeah. I don't really understand that idea as far as being out of the jurisdiction. Given my practice has been entirely domestic, um, I did understand the idea of things that are protected by privilege, because that is always a huge battle in document productions, trying to get stuff from your adversary that they are going to argue is either an attorney-client communication or protect, protected by the attorney work product doctrine, which means that they do not have to produce it in the litigation. And of course, your adversary will always try and read that very broadly regarding how much it protects documents from being turned over because, you know, that's to their benefit. And so if there is a smoking gun document, often people who are really familiar with how business works and managing risk are going to start including an attorney on their emails so that they know if anything ever comes up later, they can claim that this is protected by some sort of privilege or work product protection, and it doesn't ever actually get seen by anyone else. So that part I get, and that part yeah. makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. This idea of documents being outside the jurisdiction so they can't get turned over, I do not understand. And I mean, I certainly have known of cases, I've not personally litigated them, but in my previous workplace, we've had cases where we're like, we need to find a document review attorney because all of these documents are in German. So, um, <laughs> so I, it hasn't been an issue in previous real life situations that I've been in that 
documents are being produced like entirely from another country and you actually have to hire someone who knows that language in order to figure out what the heck is in them. I think it's maybe, you know, some truth mixed in with some legal mumbo jumbo there. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think about a few things here. Uh, one is I, I was just talking a few recaps ago about how the show doesn't seem to have stakes because it's like, I really don't care which one of these people get the succession, even though it's right in the title. Yes. But then in this episode, it makes me think about maybe this is, and it's kind of a revelation that came to me actually uh, impressively in this one, where I was thinking maybe this is the stakes that they've been setting up is the stakes are not for the family. The stakes are for like the rest of us. These petty squabbles could have like implications for who becomes president or, you know, just Mm -hmm, to further mm -hmm. their own egos. And this is another example of it here where once again, you're like, okay, here is, there's a smoking gun. You know, this has obviously been some very sketchy things going on. You think about Enron and you think of some of these other scandals in the past. And they're basically saying like, yeah, but, you know, we can bury them in billions of pages. You know, we can basically just shred every single email we've ever sent, which is like all the innocuous stuff along with all the explicit stuff, just shred it and like overwhelm whoever's investigating with so much paperwork that unless they want to spend like hundreds of millions of dollars investigating us, they'll never get through all this. And it makes it's like this frustration of thinking like you could basically just use the system to bury your uh, opponents and no one ever has to face any consequences, right? I think that's the question is who's going to end up taking the bullet for this. And this episode kind of jumping ahead to the most recent one, it seems like no one is, but I don't think that's the case. And I guess we'll talk about that when we break down. I think that, and we could talk about what your opinion is of this as, as well. One particular character is, is celebrating a little too <laughs> early, I think. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for clarifying that. And like I said, it, there's like a frustration I have where you think about how it is easy, potentially, if you have enough means to just bury illegally, you could just bury somebody in so much paper that you can cooperate, quote unquote, and like, and still get the result of like slowing things down to such a crawl that in, inevitably, like uh, Logan says in this current episode, episode, it's going to be a number, right? Like that basically they'll have some kind of fine and then they'll walk away. And that'll mm-hmm, be- <clears throat> I guess another thing that Kendall brings up at this moment too, which I think that is something that once again, that is legitimately happening is that he says, I could just take this to the court of public opinion. And I think that is something that's interesting that's happening now. In the old days, you really could just bury somebody in paper and you really would face no consequences. But now we really are in a situation where, for example, like, let's say that he leaks these documents to the public and there's like this uh, acknowledgement of these rapes and these sexual assaults and these other crimes that occurred on the cruise lines. It doesn't matter. The time has passed for those repercussions from a legal standpoint. I think if that just is in the public eye, I really do think that it would have an impact right on the reputation of the company and therefore their stock price and therefore board's decisions on who is in power, et cetera, right? So maybe Kendall is not so crazy to think that, well, I'll take it to the court of public opinion and there I will get what I want. Potentially. I mean, I just feel like in the world, the way it is now with the 24-hour news cycle and all of that, It's very unpredictable what sticks and has long-term consequences and what just blows over in a very surprising way. I I, I agree. But I think that in the context of the show, the little bits that we do see, like this story is big enough where it's being covered on their analog for, you know, Stephen Colbert or SNL or whatever. So it does seem to be a little bit sticky. And also you Mm. can only imagine that since this is not a story about just some corrupt business practices somewhere, it's about a media titan who is a right winger. You can imagine that like left wing Twitter, for example, would be salivating at this story, right? So Mm. I I think it would stick, but I do take your point. I do think that that oftentimes things come up in the news 
and you, it feels like a sticky story and then whatever, like a bigger story will come along and just nobody remembers right. that, you know, three months later, right. it's exactly. not, it doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, it is true waiting for the, the public's uh, opinion on something could be a fool's errand in a way. All right. The next thing I want to talk about is all the really hilarious interactions in this episode between Greg and Tom. And they're, you know, trying to deal with the fact that they're, they may very well be going to jail. <laughs> But he takes him to the diner. <laughs> I talked about how Jersey, you know, we love our diners in Jersey. And they're like, we this do. is prison food. This is what prison food tastes like. <laughs> they did have- concede it would not taste as good. <laughs> yes, you have to subtract 40%. Subtract 40% of the flavor and then you get a feel for it. Yeah, so Tom just starts eating nothing but diner food to prepare for his life in prison. Oh, but my favorite interaction is when they run into that guy at that CPAC-like convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I understood this conversation completely, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, with the toilet. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. it either, but oh my God, <laughs> this whole thing is so hilarious. Like I laughed so hard. <laughs> it's your Stairmaster. Okay. It's your bench. Okay. You could use it. You could use it to do push-ups. I, I, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm with you. It's your lover. I'm like, all right. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Other than like disposing of uh, your your, right. uh, your deeds, <laughs> and then uh, but my favorite is when he goes, but it could be a real bastard. And Tom's like, your toilet could be a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a real bastard. I'm like, what? <laughs> I also like Greg's reaction going like, wow, a lot of prison is about your toilet. That's that's a lot. That's a big part of prison. <laughs> Oh boy, all their all their interactions are great in this episode. It's just so hilarious. Yeah, and I also like that Greg is saying how much it's preoccupying him and Tom oh, yes. says like, well, I think about it all the time. And the answer is like, in those few moments that you forget about it, it's like a sweet release that you <laughs> exactly. were not yeah. stressed out for a couple minutes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's their first interaction where he goes, are you trying to blackmail me? And he's like, no, no, I, I you know, I, I want to get advice from you because it's fixating my mind. How do I, how right. do I stop thinking about it? And Tom's like, no, no. <laughs> You, you like lean into it. You think about yes. it all the time. And then occasionally when you forget, you're like, ah, oh, what a relief. <laughs> oh my God. What a miserable existence. Oh, and another great moment here, not a Greg Tom moment, but just a Tom moment is when he gets his bottle of wine from his vineyard. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I love the description of it. He's like, oh, it's very, uh, very earthy. <laughs> it's not, it's a little Germanic. <laughs> I love his initial reaction. He's like, ooh, screw top. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are some high-end wines with screw tops now, but still, it was the. Very, I mean, just his... from what I understand, there are a lot of benefits to using a screw top for wine. Actually, <laughs> yeah. So you shouldn't disparage it just for the screw top, but it seems to have many more problems beyond that. I like when Shiv is talking too about like she's very distressed about who, what the direction they're going in for their presidential pick. So she's distracted by the news, and Tom's continuing to like open more bottles, and he's like, "They're all the same." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I am not a red wine drinker, but even the color of that wine looked off to me, but. (laughs) Oh, before I forget, I wanted to mention, going back to the conversation about the maritime law and the cruise lines and everything, it also made me think about, is this something that they fortuitously used as an escape, the writers of the show? Or are these guys so clever that they were like, well, we'll make the crimes occur on the cruise lines because then we have this out that we can like say, well, you know, maritime law, international law, and that all the complexities there kind of, they can hide some of these. Our practices act. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's something they, they baked in, uh, which would be very impressive if they've been thinking this far ahead, or, you know, maybe it could be something retroactively being like, oh, here's, you know, like I, we did some research, here's how they could get out of this. Uh, but anyway, it, either way, it seems pretty impressive what they've, what they've been able to pull off there. I would like to think 
that no one is premeditating in that way, but who knows? It seems to be almost a framework for the whole show is that there's always someone who's ascending and someone who's descending. You know, like we've seen Kendall on the ascent, usually on the descent. We saw Logan on the descent for a couple of episodes there where he was like hiking and uh, and then being demented in the next episode. And it seemed like, you know, just in the most recent episodes, when we saw Logan on the way down again, and we saw him also on the way down at the beginning of the season, that we saw other people kind of emerging. It seemed like last week when they were taking the vote, it seemed like Shiv and Roman were on the rise because Shiv really did the work to save the company, but Roman had gotten in with his dad again. So that was his ascendancy. And now, of course, that ascendancy continues in this episode and in the next one, right? Like Roman mm -hmm. is a mm -hmm. rocket ship. Yes. Then again, the last time uh, Roman had a rocket ship, he blew it up on the launch pad in, in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's set for a fall as well. We'll have to wait and see. I like how they are qualifying or disqualifying people. And they talk about how the vice president is, you know, he's a legitimate candidate. But mm -hmm. they don't like that he licks his lips so often. <laughs> I have a habit of biting my lips. So I get how involuntary that can be and also how upsetting it can be to watch. It worked for uh, Bill Clinton, though. So you never know. <laughs> maybe. It's maybe. Like a sign of empathy when he bit his lower lip. <laughs> when we see Mencken within earshot of Logan talking about how ATN is a pudding cup at the end of the day, it's like safe. It's uh, the stand, you know, just a kind of old school media and it doesn't matter anymore. Screw them. And I think he really mm -hmm. believes this, by the way. I, I think that Roman is kind of seeing, thinking that this is a play, that he's trying to like get in good with ATN by playing hard to get. Mm -hmm. But I think like when you look at, you know, in the most recent election cycles where Breitbart and straight up fake news outlets, right, have basically picked up Fox News and, and these kind of traditional right wing media outlets uh, audience have all shifted to these kind of more questionably, not only questionable facts, but also questionably political, like straight up fascist <laughs> news outlets. And they've picked up a lot of their audience have become very strong in the past, you know, two to four years. And uh, I think that's kind of what they're re representing here too. Like Mencken represents this kind of new alt-right. And uh, he's like, who needs the old school Republicans? And hey, if I get the nomination, even if I sneak in, no matter how many people get mad at me during the primaries, when it comes to election time, if I have a, a, the R next to my name, they're going to vote for me anyway. And, and you know, this is mm -hmm. kind of the closest, you know, like I said, in this show, I don't think Trump, Donald Trump exists. I don't think we've had a Trump presidency. I don't, you know, this is an alternate history, basically. I don't think Fox News exists either. In a way, he is not a Donald Trump figure, but he represents part of that populism. They can say I'm a scumbag. They can all like, you know, when Trump was running as a straight up populist during that first election cycle, 70% of Republicans said they would never vote for him. And guess what? When he became the candidate, they voted for him, right? Mm -hmm. So he was very unpopular, even within the Republican Party, but they voted for him anyway. And uh, and that's just the way it was, right? So, and I think that's kind of what's being represented here as well. This is scary though, right? I, this episode was very disturbing to me and maybe it's straight up cynical. I don't know if we're that far off from this, right? That if someone who's a straight up true fascist, not a Donald Trump populist who's really just trying to increase his own brand, but someone who has a politically fascist agenda and is sincere to it, that if they somehow sneak in with a bare, you know, not even a majority, a plurality of the vote, if they can get it with 30, 35% of the Republican vote and then become the candidate and then be mainstreamed by once they're mm -hmm. the candidate, they simply get kind of whitewashed into being a generic conservative. And you can get 45% of the public to vote for that person 
do we end up in a fascist country? Like, I, I do think that they're flirting with that. And I don't know how far we are from that. Like I said, maybe this is a little yeah. exaggerated, but I don't know if we're that far off. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I think the last four years and I guess maybe a little bit more than that now has shown me things about this country that really shocked and surprised me and not in a good way. Yes, I agree. And I really do worry because I think we are in a world mm -hmm. now where real day-to-day -day stakes matter less than whatever, projecting some team loyalty, which I don't understand this at all. <laughs> like I want to save yeah. my own life. I don't care what your perception of me is, but apparently yeah. that is not common. Well, I would say once again, not to be overly cynical, 90% of adults in America have gotten vaccines. So it's a very, it's a minority, it's a vocal minority, but there are politicians who are using that vocal minority for political uh, hay. And I worry that that becomes the party line and then everybody lines up behind it because, hey, you got to support your team. And before you know it, we are <laughs> in a much mm -hmm. worse situation than we are now. Mm -hmm. But that's a bigger topic. But I do think they're flirting with it here. So I, I, I do want to raise it a little bit. A couple of more things here. There are so many great lines in here, by the way, to take things into a little lighter, although it gets much darker again by the end, but to take things a little yeah. lighter direction. I like when Greg shows up at that meeting where they're all, um, uh, you know, picking the, the next president, supposedly, and uh, the lawyer who uh, who's inside the room and basically says, is Greg necessary? <laughs> it's not the first time he said that, by the way, on the show. He's always kind of like, is Greg necessary? Is that true? I haven't picked up on that. That's hysterical. Oh, my God. It's like the third or fourth time, you know, probably in the past. I mean, it, yeah, it basically, whenever he shows up in these rooms, it's like he's like, what is Greg here doing here? Is Greg necessary? <laughs> I, I hadn't picked up on that. That's he literally hysterical. turns the Logan. He literally turns the Logan and says, is Greg necessary? And Logan goes, let the kids stay. But it's like, why is Lo why is Greg still there? What is happening? <laughs> hysterical. Uh, hopefully Greg can turn this, uh, you know, into something for himself because he's not in a good position right now. And then I, I you know, uh, a few people here, right? Like you see Shiv, obviously you see Tom also, and you see Greg, three characters here in that room, Shiv most vocally, but Greg as well starts feeling like this is wrong. Like, you know, if, if we are truly picking the president of the United States of America here in this room, this is wrong. Right. And, uh, and, of and course, if it's going to be Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Specifically, if it's going to be Connor. <laughs> Going back to Connor, though, I do like that Connor shows up at this convention and he does have his loyal following, right? We find out he's the pulling out I also like when he calls Willa his Mary Todd while she's rewriting her play on her phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like when they go, oh, how did you guys meet? And they both say at the same time online. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe it was online, right? He, she uh, she might have yeah, had yeah. <laughs> I think it probably was online. Yeah, exactly. You know, as they're discussing who should and shouldn't be the next candidate, Greg eventually leaves the room as they come to their final decision. And he does say, I do want to pi pipe up that maybe, you know, this is the wrong thing to do. And Tom, in a more subtle way, is also feeling kind of bad about this whole situation. Of course, Shiv vocally is, you know, Shiv is so naive, by the way, so naive. She thinks, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to go pushing for that, that, that moderate Republican. And alternately, maybe... We go to Democrats. Hey, look, the Democrats are gaining ascendancy right now. You know, we might have a Democrat in office next. Why don't we just push for a Democrat? This is the most naive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, is it just like a political? <laughs> she's a political operative. She thinks her dad is going to buy anything she says, and I do think she honestly does feel like she carries some weight because she had 
you know, she was supposedly, supposedly, because she wasn't very successful at it, a political consultant. Mm-hmm. So what sure. do you think about this, this whole thing? Well, you know, Shiv is not my favorite. And <laughs> part of the reason is because I think she has no self-awareness of what oh. is going on around her. So um, there were some moments where I felt for her during this episode, yeah. but it did not outweigh my annoyance of her cluelessness about the real world, essentially. And meanwhile, as she thinks she might have some sway with her dad, which she obviously doesn't have when it comes to legitimately doing some work that saved the company last week. And obviously here as a supposed political consultant, she walks in there very confidently like, well, dad, let me lay it out for you. And her dad's like, Mm -hmm. at one point she goes, the climate is not right for Mencken. And he Mm -hmm. says, the climate said that I was a dinosaur. The climate said that I was going to be dead. And he goes, maybe I'm a climate denier. right? Uh So she's like, great. You know, dad's not listening to anything I say. And then while this is going on, we see that Mencken and Roman uh, have this bathroom scene, which I wrote down in my notes. This is the closest thing we see to Roman have a sex scene in this whole entire show. (laughs) There's a lot of sexual tension here between the two of them. And it's shot in a very weird way where they're like, they're, you know, their faces are like overlapping and they're kind of mirror images of each other. So I'm like, maybe this is Roman's version of sex. Like he is an asexual person, but maybe, you know, trolling and this like you know mm-hmm. these petty maneuvers maybe this is what gets him off may, really so i'm not sure and we, we see another very weird interaction with him in this next episode which we're going to break down in just a little bit but this actor who i know from weeds i can't remember his name now that plays Mencken, he is very fun to watch as well oh yeah very charismatic i mean i'm familiar with his face i'm not familiar with specifically where i've seen him another one of these those guys that you've seen oh, did you not watch weeds Oh, no, I didn't watch Feeds, no. Okay, yeah, he was great in Weeds. But that's what I was going to say, is that he is one of these people who has so much charisma, you literally can imagine him being in his own show, right? And he's just here playing a bit part, right? And I think that's kind of like to the credit of how great this show is, Succession, that they get these incredible actors where even these like one scene actors probably could have a whole show built around them, right? So that that, and as uh, you know, you see, and but you assume that they kept Mencken in here. I'm almost certain that the next season of succession is going to be heavily about the next election cycle. And uh, Jesse Armstrong has been saying that succession might only be five seasons long. So maybe, you know, we have the election in the next cycle and then maybe the fallout of that election in the next season. And then that's it. So <laughs> I can ima- like I can't imagine them making it uh, other than maybe two election nights in this season. I don't even think they're going to make it that far, right? I think they're going to probably, it's still going to be leading up to the election and maybe the election is in the next um, season of the show. But uh, anyway, so I think Mencken will play out uh, in some way. You can't hire that guy for just two scenes, I would assume. <laughs> Who knows? But maybe you never know, right? They have a, 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 a they literally Adrian have Brody. Yeah. They literally have Adrian Brody on their cast list, and he's been in one episode. Right. So I don't know unless he comes back for the last two. I, I don't know where where else they're going to use him. And then you know they decide yes, it's going to be Mencken. You know he says I'm a climate denier. I don't care what people say. The way the wind blows, I make my own weather. Shiv is upset by this, and that all culminates the next morning. We see, by the way, that great scene. By the way, great scene where uh, before then, Tom meets with Kendall. And uh, once again at the diner, <laughs> I love that he orders mm-hmm. all that diner food. He's like, I want pancakes. I want hash browns. I want this mm-hmm. And Kendall goes, I'm just going to watch him eat. <laughs> yes. But uh, that conversation gets dark by the end. Kendall goes, hey, you know, come with me yes. and we can take them down. And he's like, I don't trust you, Kendall. And uh, he just straight up tells him, he's like, uh, I've been around and you get fucked a lot. <laughs> and right. Logan has never been fucked. <laughs> never. So, I mean, uh, it, it's brutal, but it's true. And Kendall, oh my God. And then Kendall takes pictures of him. And Tom's like, nice, mm-hmm. nice, very nice. Right. And I'm like, and this is, wait, Kendall, is this the same thing that happened with his siblings when he almost won them over, couldn't quite win them over. And then he gets petty on the way out the door. It's like, look, 
you almost got there. Build on that next time. But he can't think that way. He can't. Mm-hmm. He needs to win it all in one minute. And then he blows it up. And then he actually gets somewhere. He like built, he gets a deal to save Royco. He does something. He has a, he has a play as he wins that person over. He then goes and sabotages that very play. And of course, no one's going to trust him if that's his going to be his pattern over and over again. And he does it again. It's this incredible psychology that he has, but Kendall's on the way down. Tom is at his lowest point here, pretty much. And another person who's descending Roman, obviously ascending, but one last person who's descending here is we have pinky. We have Shiv. Where the mm-hmm. next morning she's like, I'm not taking a family photo with a fascist. Mm-hmm. And the dad goes, are you in this family or not? And she goes, mm-hmm. okay, fine. But I'm not going to stand immediately next to him. Like Tom has to stand between us. And that the knife in the side, Logan says to her, you win, Pinky, you win. I'm like, oh my God, you win. <laughs> what did she win? So yeah, how did you feel at the end of this thing? <laughs> Depressed. <laughs> But then, like, isn't it about time that Shiv is disillusioned? I don't know. Uh, Not that I'm saying she deserves to feel like crap or anything, but not this exact thing. But things like this are what her family does and how the world works and how she got the things she has. Her worldview is very selective as a result of her privilege. Uh, Isn't it about time she understands how it really works? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. When I say this was depressing by by the time I got to the end, it's not that I feel depressed for Shiv, right? Because I mean, honestly, like I said, these people are all monsters. I have very little sympathy for any of them. I'm more depressed that kind of, you know, when you think that she is realistically a supposed voice that can bend the tides of history from within the system, theoretically. And you just see that it's not moving, right? It's just, this, mm-hmm. is, this is an arrow, it's on its trajectory and there's nothing that can be done to sway it. And it's um, and that's the depressing thing about it, right? He's just seeing this kind of machine, just uh, consuming everything in front of it rather than um, th- this, uh, you know, her specifically her stakes. Cause like you said, I mean, in the end, she's a grown woman, right? They all have opportunities here that they don't take, right? So yeah, specifically, I'm gonna call that out in the very next uh, episode, which I guess we'll just dive directly into. If you search for tenderness, it isn't hard to find. You can have the love you need to live. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to give. Honesty is such a lonely word everyone is so untrue yeah i think we're good that's good yeah 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 i mean yeah pretty good man i mean it's funny right i think good so the next episode succession season three episode seven too much birthday So I didn't touch on the title for the last one, but it was What It Takes, which simply put in the context of the show, Logan has said that. Does he have what it takes? Now he's Mm -hmm. talking about, sometimes he's talking about Kendall, sometimes he's talking about political player. And this is like the show is saying, this is what it takes. These power brokers, right? Picking Mm -hmm. you you in a room, right? Uh, And in this situation, uh, this uh, episode is called Too Much Birthday, which is actually a Berenstein Bears (laughs) title. Mm -hmm. Too Much Birthday. I mean, this was pretty simple too. It's just the fact that we have Kendall preparing for his birthday, (laughs) singing Honestly by Billy Joel. Right. 
this episode sets you up in that first moment where he's practicing his vocals and you see the giant crucifix being brought up on stage. He's going to crucify himself, descend from a crucifix and sing this Mm -hmm. song. And you're set up at this moment to be like, oh, my God, we're going to have one of those classic. It's going to be like the. I was expecting another rap. Like I thought it would transition into some kind of hip hop breakdown. Oh, yeah. Definitely wanted rap. Especially uh, with the Wu-Tang reference. Yeah, the tiny Wu-Tang, right? Tiny (laughs) Wu-Tang was supposed to be there. Sorry, um, I cut you off. Oh, no, it's okay. Tidy Wu-Tan has their, they have everything ahead of them. They have everything ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say that, uh, you know, I was really set up, you know, I, I was thinking of actually the Bachelor Party episode from season one. So it's going to be like another Bacchanal episode where, you know, lots of craziness happens. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of start off that way. You know, you see how ridiculous this whole thing is, but it gets pretty dark uh, before the end of it. Kendall thinks this is a good idea. And mm-hmm. he is this public figure that, uh, you know, is trying to take his father down and his family so he's putting himself up there on the cross like Christ <laughs> and singing honesty. Oh, my God. What a ridiculous image that is. And unfortunately, I really wanted to see it. And unfortunately, we don't. Get <laughs> so we have like that interchange. Tom is still on his phone looking at prison options. <laughs> this is before. He gets- uh-huh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Roman and Shiv talking about this Gojo deal. Yes which we Mm -hmm. find out a lot more about over the course of the episode, but apparently they're very nervous about this. They don't know if it's going to go through and they really feel like they need it. And she's telling him your presentation looks good. And he's, you know, so he has been using her here. It looks like they've made amends. I guess this is like kind of really like real life. You have these horrible interactions and then like the next day you just have to go to work. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of what's happening here. They're, you know, back in their regular roles. But the funny part is where they're like pulling down the blinds and they're saying, are they going to have some kind of satanic ritual over the, the, <laughs> the... Apparently, they think that Logan is having an affair with his assistant. Right. And you're going tonight? Can fast? Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Uh, if Madsen does, maybe for follow-up. going to be pretty horrific. Your brother in a porta potty rolling down a hill. <laughs> I might have to go just to see how bad it is. Oh, brothers. Fuck you. It's pure rubbernecking. Okay. What's this? Uh, maybe Madsen's here early? Or she's going to give birth to dad's baby while we chant a satanic mass. It's like he's having a midlife crisis aged 80. It's fine. No, it's not, Rome. He's fucking an assistant who's 50 years younger than him. It's not a crisis. That's normal. It's the opposite of a crisis. You shouldn't be so fucking lucky. But it turns out that the private ceremony that's happening inside that room is they are toasting that Jerry has gotten some feedback from internally Mm -hmm. that the DOJ investigators are pretty happy with what they're seeing. They think that they're there's nothing too bad here. And then Logan just undercuts all that to basically say it's going to be a number, meaning that there's probably going to be some kind of fine, some kind of penalty. They're going to have to make some kind of press release. So there'll be maybe a little ding to their stock price, but that's it. They don't think that this Mm -hmm, is going to be, mm -hmm. and nobody, they say there's going to be no one has to go to prison. Right. When they hear that no one goes to prison, first important point here is, did you see Shiv's face? She's not happy. (laughs) <laughs> she was counting on getting rid of Tom. She was planning on getting rid of Tom. Roman it was so obvious. Later. Yeah. <laughs> Roman literally calls her out on that. But yeah, she's like, <laughs> as a sourpuss. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she tries to say like, oh, it was the reaction to the champagne or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not. You, yeah. you thought you were getting it out. You thought you were out of this thing. I mean, her attitude towards Tom this entire time has been like, really horrifying that like she just has zero sympathy for him in this idea like you know in the last episode right when they're drinking the wine she's like how many times are we going to go round and round well you know he's going to prison exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> as many times as he wants to, because eventually he's going right. to be gone for good. And yeah. you're not going to have to have this conversation anymore. You know, like she's just been very heartless about this whole thing. It's very hard to have sympathy for her in last week's episode, for example, because that does matter to her. Supposedly very important to her identity is this idea that she's a liberal, that she's a progressive, et cetera. So she's hurt by the fact that the cam, uh, the family betrayed her in that way, which is naive because obviously they've betrayed her in that way, like every day of their lives and their actions, mm -hmm. but something she's completely blind to somehow. But like you said, speaking of not having any kind of uh, sympathy, <laughs> it's not even that he was a guy who got his hand caught in the cookie jar and he's uh, the CEO of a company and she has a completely different life. This guy literally marries into the family, gets the CEO position, this, uh, you know, of, of parks and he is intentionally set up as like a straw man, like nobody really gives him oh, any no. real power. And then because he has the title, they're like, well, obviously you got to take the fall for this because you know, you're the CEO of, of the Parks and Cruises. So you're the guy, right? So this is all on her. Like it's all via her relationship and her corrupt family that he's in this situation. She's like, oh, shut up about this already, would you? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it is so terrible. First of all, you should be sympathetic to your spouse regardless. You know, if yes, regardless. And then the second of all, it's like, you know, imagine like she basically like put him into a bear trap and goes, well, you stop complaining that your legs in the bear trap. It's like, did you put this bear trap stop here? And I step yeah. <laughs> Why do I can't hear you screaming with that bear trap on your legs? <laughs> Beyond that, you know, so they're very happy about this DOJ feedback. However, the Gojo uh, who turns out to be, well, I guess he wasn't even going to be Alexander Skarsgård that was going to show up. It was just going to be one of his employees, but that person doesn't show up either or they show up late and Logan's like, screw it. Let's not do this, which, of course, everyone starts to panic because apparently I assume here I don't know what the corollary is, maybe Twitch, maybe something like that. But it's some company that is kind of a tech bro culture type company that's very good at streaming. And apparently whatever they do, they own content, right? They have a movie studio, as we've heard. They have a television network, but their streaming platform is terrible. And apparently nobody, you know, just like we know today. In the real world, streaming is like the future right now. Everybody's very hot on streaming. Anybody who has a streaming service, their stock price is going up. Everybody else is selling off their content to those people. You know, they basically tried to set up their own streaming and apparently it's going horribly. So yeah. they are partnering with somebody or potentially acquiring this company so that they can have a streaming platform for their content. So that seems to be what they're talking about here. You know, kind of guessing a little bit based on uh, the conversations we see. But apparently this guy we meet later on could give a crap. <laughs> you know, he's rich. He's very powerful. He's probably bigger at this point than they are. Definitely, um, you know, more uh, relevant culturally. Just screws him. He's just screwing around with them. And he has a very uncomfortable conversation with, with Roman later on. And he doesn't show up. Logan's annoyed by this. This is a kind of initiating moment where they decide that they actually are going to go to Kendall's party, even though they originally were not, because they want to see if, hey, maybe if he's there, we can run into him and have this conversation. Right. Tom hears the DOJ news and immediately, I think too early, I think he's a little too early in celebrating. Someone is going to take the fall, if not in the courtroom, in the public eye. And that person is going to be Tom, I'm pretty sure. But Tom goes right to Greg's office. <laughs> the only person he could actually show his full douchebaggery to is Greg. Greg's office, also known as the supply room. The yes. supply room, yes. <laughs> and wrecks Tom's office. Uh -huh. In the next scene, we see Kendall is on his balcony preparing or celebrating, uh, pre-celebrating his birthday party with his uh, assistants. I was like, oh, there's a lot of construction going on. You see a lot of construction and, and you see the skyline. You can kind of see at the end of, uh, in one of the angles, you can see the um, the Freedom Tower down in the distance. 
can you place this building? And I think yeah. I know where it is, but did you were you able to place it? Well, I know the party was in Hudson Yards. Um, so I kind of, for whatever reason, thought the apartment was there too, but I didn't think all that hard about it. Why? What do you think? No, I think you're right. At the end, when we see him in that blanket, kind of jumping to the end of the episode here, on his balcony, he's looking down at the, um, what's the name of that construction they have down there? The uh, It's not a helix. Is it called a helix? I think it's called the vessel. The vessel, yeah. So she, he's looking down onto the vessel. So yeah, I think the building is right there, right? So it's overlooking, basically. Yeah. I mean, there certainly is a lot of new construction there that is very expensive. So it all adds up. Yeah, for sure. And they're very high up. So then we arrive at the birthday party, Kendall's birthday party. This is pretty funny at the very beginning. First of all, we see that Connor, Connor has a broken arm because he was celebrating at polling at 1% <laughs> and uh, injured his arm. If you see the behind the scenes interview that happens at the end of the episode, I don't know if you watched that at the end. They have no, this kind of... I, usually I do, but this time I didn't. Well, anyway, Alan Ruck uh, had a rotator cuff surgery that he had to do, and mm -hmm. uh, he was putting it off and it was really bothering him. So he said, I think I'm going to have the surgery. And the writers were just like, don't worry about it. We'll just write it into the show. <laughs> so it was legitimate. His arm was legitimately braced up there. Well, the bit with the coat is just great. Yes, throughout. he won't um, take the jacket off, the coat this, off. Exactly. Like, it struck me as like a Seinfeld type of joke that you would have of like this person who just insists on being this weird way and there's nothing anyone can do about it. He's like saying like, I have my rights. You can't tell me to take my jacket off, which goes sure. back to that his like brand of liber libertarianism from last season, oh, which was sure. so hilarious when he was talking about like, you know, uh, rich people, we, you know, create all the jobs. We should pay no taxes. Everybody else should pay our taxes. It's like yep. this kind of like, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> Do you realize how this works economically? Like if you have 95% of the wealth, mm -hmm. uh, the tax burden would basically eradicate all the wealth for the rest of the population. But he doesn't know that because he doesn't know what money is, right? Because he's born right. inside of a, a golden cage. So he has no idea what's happening outside. But anyway, it kind of goes back to his brand. <laughs> yeah, I have my rights. Oh, he gets very horny for Willa, by the way, when she kind of says, he's going to be he's running for president and uh, uh, he doesn't have to take off his jacket and she he like grabs her to him and goes like oh yeah well uh, that's what i like to hear yes they enter into the world of of kendall through this pink corridor so uh, oh, yes. so roman's like wait a second is that my my, my mother's uh, vagina yes uh, uh, what does Shiv say that it's cold and uh inhospitable inhospitable so yeah it sounds about right <laughs> oh boy and uh, they run into Con uh, Kendall. I'm going to excerpt it here because it's so funny when Kendall's like, uh, they're like, who's here? And he's like, who isn't here? You know, everybody, and they, they respond, you know, your dad, your yes. mom, <laughs> your children, any real friends of yours. <laughs> I mean, ex-wife was there in the yes, end. Yes. So there for was a moment for a moment. This is where Roman gives him a card, which is going to be important to the rest of the episode. A card from him and from dad. And he says, don't worry. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Meanwhile, Greg runs into Comfrey. Quite a name yeah. <laughs> for a character to have Comfrey. Yeah. Is that her last name that they're referring to her by? Or I assume. I assume so. I don't know. I give up. Names as someone with what was, you know, a very unusual name when we were growing up. I just roll my eyes at some of these. <laughs> play. Like, get it together, people. <laughs> <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. It might be a last name, but, but anyway, maybe I'll look up the, the credits and see if, if she has a, a first name defined as well. So she runs into him and he's like, oh, I'm so happy I saw you. By, by the way, he was talking to Tom, 
So even earlier on, before he runs into Comfrey, he was like saying, look, I'm hoping to run into her because, you know, because he wants to ask her out, right? He's been flirting with her throughout this show. And he goes, oh, a girl like that is out of your league. You know, Tom is feeling very, very confident, by the way. (laughs) It won't last, but he's feeling very confident at this moment. And he wants to really celebrate. He wants to really cut loose. Mm -hmm. He's still looking for that party. Apparently, Shiv is not happy here in Greg, or he knocks him down instead of kind of celebrating with Greg, which could potentially be a partner for him to party with. But instead, he uh, kind of knocks him down and goes, oh, she's out of your league. And he goes, well, how about you and Shiv? You, Shiv is right. out of your league. To which Tom says that it's all about his like sexual fortitude that he won her over. And uh, to which um, uh, Greg <laughs> says, prove it. <laughs> but Greg uh, you know, does run into Comfrey. And things do turn out well for him eventually with her. But initially... She says, oh, I'm so glad I ran into you because I have to go after you in the media. Kendall's coming after you, so I'm going to come at, attack you. But I'm not going to be too personal. I'm going to make it kind of high level. So he's like, oh, great. <laughs> I wasn't expecting yeah. that. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> exactly. So he doesn't ask her out there, you know, given the context of the conversation. He almost thinks about asking her even after that, by the way, but he, he kind of changes his mind. So Kendall has set up this treehouse where only people with bands can get in. He finds out from his assistants that the siblings are actually there to try to catch up with Matson, played by Alexander Skarsgård. Who looks fantastic, by the way. He always does. Uh, yeah, he's like, uh, whatever, six foot seven, <laughs> in incredible shape. Like he's like everybody's. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and I, I do appreciate the fact in this actor, by the way, that he is, you know, obviously incredibly handsome and, you know, f- physically imposing. But he just basically takes every role that makes him look like the biggest jerk in the world. <laughs> he does not embrace. He's not trying to be the next Thor. He wants to be like a six foot seven, 260 pound model looking character actor, <laughs> Okay, which I'm totally fine with. I'd rather watch that than, um, than another generic, you know, action star or something. So, you know, kudos to him. He could easily become the next like, uh, you know, matinee idol type guy, but he's not For interested sure. in that. It doesn't seem to be. So he's inside the treehouse. Kendall is trying to keep out his siblings from talking to him. And he gives him the read on the situation. He shouldn't sell uh, Gojo to my dad's company. You know, you guys are worth more than that. And he responds to him saying, oh, thank you for your uh, unbiased opinion, basically, (laughs) which, of course, he does not have an unbiased opinion. He's like very publicly Mm -hmm. out against his family. And there's a real desperation there in Kendall, once again, that he's like really kind of like begging him. But there's a pretty funny interaction here. First of all, he's really trying to keep him in there. And he says, what does he need? I can hook you up with anything. And he says he needs the three P's. Apparently, these are the three P's. (laughs) He needs Mm -hmm. pussy, privacy, and pasta. (laughs) And I, mean, I uh, too love pasta. True, true. Uh, and privacy, I probably. <laughs> <laughs> I am very introverted. So, yes. <laughs> and then Kendall basically says, Hey, look, I got this guy here. He can hook you up. He's not a good person. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> this guy can get you everything you want, everything on your list there, including the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not a good person, but mm-hmm. have fun. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. Thank you. Thank you. At least Kendall did hook him up. So. Eventually though, the film, uh, the, the family does get through there. Uh, I'm surprised yes. that that giant, I mean, like speaking of tall actors, right? Like the guy who is Roman is short. These as is, um, I mean, these yes. actors are short, right? Uh, right. Culkin is short as is his brother, right? So these guys are uh, shorter than the dad. So that's kind of something that is thematically important here, but you do have these very tall guys like Tom 
and yes. like Greg, 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 especially Greg, very yeah. tall, right? He's probably six foot five at least. Yeah. And, uh, but they, these are kind of like the weaklings in this, which is kind of funny. And they're surrounded by these shorter men who are, you know, the power brokers. It's very funny to see Roman bully his way into that room where the, I think that that bodyguard guy is probably taller than Alexander Sarsgaard. He's got to be like six foot eight or six foot nine. And he just kind of Roman bullies him. He's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going in there. And uh, he mm-hmm. just lets him in. Just lets him in. Mm-hmm. So, hey, he did get the rainbow band from somebody in his defense. But yeah, <laughs> he did. He did. Even though. But I mean, Kendall had specifically said those people, yes. those two right yes. there, one to two, this mm-hmm. very person, they do not enter. And hey, mm-hmm. he got in there. So, oh, you know, something I skipped very early on, which was very funny how offense offended the family is to something so petty that Connor has a whole room that people walk into where he has fake tabloid headlines mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. his siblings. And uh, they're so offended by this, especially Connor. Connor's very offended by this because yeah. apparently he did poop in his sleeping bag. Nothing is ever dead on this show. The story <laughs> that supposedly was about um, their father going camping with them, which is a lie, right? The dad never mm-hmm. took them anywhere. That that was a Connor story. Connor took them camping. Not only did Connor do this, which is pretty sweet, right? That he kind of took them camping when the dad would not, but he did poop his sleeping bag that night. And of course, can't live it down. And uh, he's humiliated by this headline. And it really offensive to him, even though you would assume that most people don't actually know what's behind that headline. I also like the fact that Roman uh, dies in his headline from a masturbating accident. Yes. To which he says, you have everybody in this room thinking about me masturbating, which is like his biggest dream. So Mm -hmm. he he doesn't lose at all. So, (laughs) oh, then we have the interaction he has with his uh, ex-wife who mentions that there is a gift from the kids. This this suddenly snaps Kendall too. And he, you know, it, it touches on his fear of being a bad parent. Mm-hmm. And this kind of sets him really spiraling at this point. Yes. And the continued rabbit theme as well. That the rabbit. Yes. Rabbit again. Ra- interesting. Yes. Wrapped in the rabbit paper. Very interesting. <laughs> and he can't find this. He has a room full of gifts. You actually see like a Harley Davidson or a custom bicycle in the background, motorcycle in the background. So he's getting all of these really expensive gifts from super rich celebrities who are here at his party, mm-hmm. but can't find his kids present, which is the only one he cares about. There's a couple of things that are leading him to spiral here. One is that this is touching on his feelings about being a bad parent. Second of all, as far as like familial alienation, he read the card, which by the way, read the card in a room, which is a recreation of the Royco offices on fire. <laughs> This guy has got to get over this fixation he has, right? I don't think I picked up on that. Very interesting. Okay. It's an exit letter, right? They they literally crossed out happy birthday. This is, I'm sure this is Roman's work and says, you know. uh, I think it was like F off and cash out or something like that. Yes, that's that's it. And then, you know, there's literally like a very formal, it's not even personal at all. It's a very formal buyout for all of his Mm -hmm. shares, right? Yeah. Which turns out when he talks to Naomi about it, uh, who's back here, by the way, I haven't mentioned her yet, but you know, if you wonder, because she kind of disappeared for a few episodes, she is, they are still together and she is back. Standing by him, by the way, she could easily exit multiple times in this episode and be like, screw you, I'm out of here. But she Mm -hmm. apparently is really in there for the long haul. And this interaction between the two of them is very interesting. After he's read this and before he kind of has the freak out about losing his kid's present, he interacts with Naomi and he goes, well, maybe I'll be out of this thing soon. And she goes, really? Yeah, they're offering to buy me out. And she goes, how much money would that be? And he's saying it's two 
billion dollars. Two right? billion dollars. And yeah. this is something I wanted to specifically talk to you about because you have mentioned multiple times you need to like break off these relationships, right? To, to leave to and move. cleave. Yes. Exactly. To move on. And I've been saying, well, you know, that, that, that their power is inside this uh, company, et cetera. But I think it just kind of crystallized in my mind. Imagine this, a $2 billion payoff. If he wants to go and start some BuzzFeed-like alternative to his dad's company, if he wants mm-hmm. to go and become a big shot VC and seed hundreds of companies that are like socially progressive and everything else, $2 billion, like people, More than enough. <laughs> some of the biggest VCs in this world who like, you know, are now billions and billions of dollars who founded Twitter and funded a lot of these smaller companies or social media companies and Twitch and some of these other companies. Some of those VCs started with a hundred billion dollars, which is a lot of money, obviously, but they $2 billion basically can go very, very, very far. So if he really wants to do these things, he says he wants to do, here is his opportunity. Take it and run. And he can go and buy one of these media alternatives that he's buying all this time or build one from the ground up if he really believes in himself. And this really crystallized in my mind is that, no, this is so much about his own ego and his own position within the family and the expectation he has from his father that he would inherit this company. It's all about that because here it is. Here's everything he supposedly wants and he won't take it. He won't take it. Right. And Going back to like shifting allegiances, it made me like any kind of sympathy I've had for him up until this point and like kind of wanting to see him take them down and everything else. You know what? In a way, you could say, here's your play. You smeared the company to the point where they give you the exit money. Now exit and build what you want to build, but he won't take it. It's so frustrating. Yeah. That's that sick family dynamic where those intangible things are more important than the actual tangible result and the opportunity to actually live an emotionally healthy life. (laughs) Exactly. And then things start getting very toxic already between Shiv and Roman. She finds out uh, through this conversation that A, that there's this buyout. She wasn't familiar with it, I should say. And that those extra shares are going to Roman. Roman's going to end up with them, right? So this is A, disappointing to her because she wasn't aware of it. And second of all, once again, she already sees the dad supposedly, you're my favorite, Pinky, you're my favorite. And she's cut out of all these decisions and she doesn't know what's actually going on. And she's losing power, even just from a financial standpoint. Roman is ascending, obviously, and she keeps descending. And this is upsetting And her. for a second, I actually thought she was upset on Kendall's behalf. I don't know why I thought she would be compassionate like that, but. Um, <laughs> I think she is compassionate on Kendall's behalf. Late, I, I don't know if it's earlier on here when she first finds out the, about the card or later on where Roman admits that they've been spying on the kids and Roman goes, right. well, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you come after mm-hmm. us, we come after you. And she was really disgusted by that. And I think that- that's true. Yeah. So I think that is where the empathy comes in. But even knowing this thing that, that she didn't know about the buyout leads her to start dancing manically on the dance floor. Not a good dancer, by the way. <laughs> Did she spike her own drink there or was that like a lemon or a lime? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think they did okay. spike their drinks. I mean, I know that Tom has been taking all the wrong drugs in the wrong order tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know if she was on for part of that ride and, you know, they just, <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is what it led to for her. But, uh, 
<laughs> but it, it's even better Tom later it's just so utterly miserable but uh we'll, we'll get to that because there's so much here at the end of this episode I'll start working our way through it I give anyone um I will never call anyone a bad dancer I give anyone credit for <laughs> dancing and feeling what they're feeling and uh, putting it all out there on the dance floor so I have no she's problem committed. with just dancing <laughs> <laughs> she's committed that her her dancing is definitely gonna i mean we may not circle back to it but in that world if it existed her dancing videos are going to be all over the internet the next day <laughs> they can create a little gif <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> gif you say gif i say gif i say gif because of the gi right well that doesn't make sense because gift gift i don't know see. I say gift. I say I say gift. Mm. Kendall gets frantic looking for the the gift. Naomi's trying to talk him down. She tries to calm him down. Yeah, she's not helping looking for the gift though, which seems like the easiest route. But yeah, okay. <laughs> like, why not make an orderly pile of presents so you can see what you've looked at? And I don't know. I'm hardly an OCD type person, but this was not the way to locate something that's gone missing. Well, first of all, he's uh, obviously once again. I think you mentioned that uh, that he has to have some kind of mania. He's definitely yes. in, a ma- in a manic state right now yes. at, at this moment. He's spinning out of control. He runs into uh, to Greg. This is something I wanted to point out. He runs into Greg and basically tells Greg that he's still. Going going to burn him he's still going to and uh, greg's like i thought this was winding down you know can't we you know kind of get to some uh, middle ground here and kendall's like oh no this is not winding down like he's not <laughs> giving this up and also tells them to go suck blood somewhere else mm-hmm. and uh, he does not want him asking uh comfrey out uh and right. this is very much like he, the way he oh the one thing that he says that really reminds me of tom of all people is when he's telling to him, oh, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Am I kidding? You know, that that whole thing, which yes. is exactly what Tom does with him all the yes. time. It's very interesting that this kind of <laughs> dynamic is playing out. It's like almost like Greg attracts it to himself. Tom at this point is desperate to find someone to party with. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. literally just asking anybody around him. Shiv is not having it. She's just dancing and she's kind of blowing him off. Well, Tom is feeling the hollowness, right? Of like, this should be amazing. I'm not yes. going to jail. This yeah. should be like an all out party best night of my life and it's just like not coming through for him yeah i mean i guess i'll just jump to it now Uh, it comes later in the episode but there's a great scene where greg and him come back together greg is happy now because he's actually running to comfrey and maybe this touches on a bunch of things we've been talking about already but he runs into comfrey he basically says kendall doesn't want me to ask you out to which she says yes to the invitation maybe wouldn't have you 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 go with the go out with the guy that your dad doesn't want you to right so maybe Maybe if she didn't have a pile of incredible hulk lunch boxes or whatever it is in her apartment oh my my God, that was the other thing I was going to bring up. You know, you're talking about the layout of the gifts and stuff that there is, you know, this is running throughout the episode that everybody's trying to tell him, yeah, that's a good idea what you have planned for the night. Then we find out that, you know, he's completely erratic. He's been asking all these crazy things. He originally planned on this, then he changed his mind. And now she bought all these rare uh, you know, mm-hmm. incredible hunk lunch boxes. Uh, and now she's trying to sell them all on eBay. <laughs> her uh, you know, apartment is full of them because you know, you have hundreds of people attending. She's had hundreds of these probably expensive <laughs> that she probably went out of pocket on. And now she has to, you know, get it back and save all the receipts because he wants to see all the receipts. It's yes. like, oh my God, what can you imagine working for this maniac right now? Um, while looking for a jetpack to get out of the retractable roof that needs 48 hours to retract or whatever. It, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he goes, she goes, some of these are jokes, some of them, but apparently they don't even know the ones that are real or not. So they're investigating all this stuff, whether it's legitimate or not, because they can't even get a read on him. Oh, and that, that ties back to something I forgot to mention to you on the previous episode is, you know, he eventually has a falling out with his lawyer, right? So she 
uh, either mm-hmm. fires him or he fires her. I don't remember which, I, or I can't identify which thing happened, but he basically walks back into the office and says, she's out. She's toxic. She's a toxic person. So here he is cutting uh, himself off from all the, the people whose advice he should be listening to. He doesn't necessarily have to do everything they say, but he should be listening to their advice. And he just does not want to hear anything that mm-hmm. is not in his fantasy version of what's going to happen, even though that has never, ever worked out a single time. He mm-hmm. still doesn't want to hear anyone tell him anything contradictory. Yep. And uh, and these poor assistants are dealing with this. She literally, Comfrey, when she's talking to Greg, she said that Kendall feels like the vibe is wrong. So she has literally called up Steven um, uh, Springsteen, Stephen, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, to come and rescue the party. And then he yes. changes his mind and he wants jetpacks or whatever, you know, but she does accept. And this is when they, the two of them actually look down and they see Shiv, they describe her as getting the demons out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's stopping around. She really does look like she's like at a revival church or something. Like, I don't know what that its move is. Listen, this then, is one of the most likable things I've seen her do. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. Make her fool herself. <laughs> do you think, my question to you right there, do you think she thinks she's killing it? Like this is <laughs> like, does she think everybody's watching her dance because she's doing such an incredible job? Like, wow, they're watching how great I dance. Or do you think that she's just like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I feeling... think she cares very much about yes. appearances. So I don't think that as much as I admire the um, throw all dance, like nobody's watching is my yeah. philosophy. I don't think she dances like nobody's watching. Yes. then we have a very awkward this is really a moment where naomi could have walked away which is she gave him a watch ah yeah (laughs) and kendall kendall's reaction to this is so messed up it's It's very cruel it's very cruel and i don't know what the point of the watch was maybe and i don't know if it's an incredibly expensive watch or not i'm sure it's a nice watch you know she wouldn't buy him i'm sure it is and like honestly in his defense it is weird not to have it engraved because For people who have this much money, what is it to buy a watch? Nothing. It's like the equivalent of me being like, here, I brought you a Coke. Like, right. okay, but why? <laughs> so, Well, going back to the last episode, apparently bringing a Coke to Logan well, yes. gets you the presidential nomination. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I agree that, you know, this is a strange thing to buy for Kendall considering the person. But Kendall nonetheless, is. he was right. very cruel about it. You know, and I'm trying to, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I almost feel like she's trying to say, this is a new leaf. This isn't what came before. This isn't a $100,000 watch. This is supposedly what he represents now. Like maybe, who knows, the watch is a certain (laughs) brand. You got to write a card if that's what you're looking for. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there is a card. He might not have even found the card, right? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. It was in a little bag. So maybe there was a card in there too. We just skipped over the long story short is I'm sure her intentions were pure and he's just I like, where, yes. where's the engraving? Where's like, he's not even trying to understand what the gift is. He's just like, he literally turns to her and goes like, I am just trying to figure out why you bought me a watch. Like he's literally like, just like, why would you do this? Which is crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do you say that about a, a gift? Like, you know, you may have questions about it later, but it's mean. No, I agree with you. It is very mean. And she doesn't just say, screw this. I'm so tired of you and your idiot, idiocy. He, she stands by him. You know, she, they, they end up going, as a matter of fact, this begins the exit from the party. He's the first to leave his party. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually, before we get to that, we actually have a very entertaining sequence where, you know, they're saying, make sure you don't move this way when you're on the crucifix because the crucifix could fall down. Make sure you do this. Make yeah. sure you do that. Like all this complexity in his 
exit to the stage. And smartly, he starts saying, I think this is a bad idea. This is ridiculous. What am I doing here? This is so pathetic. So he finally sees himself. Hopefully this sticks, but I won't. <laughs> it won't. But hopefully this does stick for him, for his own well-being, that he sees how pathetic this whole thing is. And it's great that the his assistants are like, no, you should just still do it. You should do this. You should do that. And then when she walks, when he walks away, they turn to each other. They go, thank God. <laughs> like, <laughs> God he didn't do that. Uh, although I really, really wanted to watch it. I wanted to see him stuck up there on the crucifix singing the song, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand. I was hoping you would tap. rap, so I get it. Oh yeah, rapping too. <laughs> he might have had to improvise right if the music stopped. Tiny Wu Tang would come out. I love that too. By the way, they go, "What do we tell Tiny Wu Tang?" <laughs> yeah, and he says, "Tell them it's all ahead of them. <laughs> it's all ahead of them." <laughs> Greg and Tom run into each other again. Shall we try the compliment tunnel? Sure. It could be nice. Why are you so happy? Me? Yeah. Oh <laughs> well. Uh, Actually, because I, uh, I have met the most wonderful girl in the world. You're just fantastic. Yes, I am. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, it's possible she's only going out with me due to, you know, rancor or pique. You're so full of grace. What's that? I think he said you're full of grace. That's a weird thing to say. Being sarcastic? Being sarcastic? No, so I think full it's... Full of grace? Full of fucking what? What? What did you say? Wait, Tom. Easy. He's just, you're doing the job. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> you're doing great work. You're so merry. Well, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I, I'm excited about my date, I like her. What can I say, it's exciting. You're the best. Fuck Thank off. You. you seem much happier than me, right? I feel happy, I, I guess it's, it's not a finite pie. We can both be happy. Uh-huh, sure but it's supposed to be me that's happy, and it's you. How did that happen? Huh? I took the wrong drugs in the wrong order, and I can't get happy. Well, can't you just be happy you're free? No, because you've ruined it. How have I ruined it? I don't know. You just have. <laughs> you are full of grace. You are full of grace. What did you say to me? <laughs> and this is when he admits that he <laughs> he took all the wrong drugs in the wrong order and he can't <laughs> and he can't be happy anymore <laughs> oh boy uh and this is when you know things start getting ugly we see that shiv and roman have regrouped they're inside the treehouse which makes kendall very angry kendall's you know exiting via the treehouse and uh you know uh, roman calls out his sister saying that i saw you doing the dance of the sugar plum failure <laughs> <laughs> uh you know roman goes you know i saw you when you're drinking that champagne you thought you were going to be able to uh you know hook up with whoever you wanted to yeah you're stuck with the meat wardrobe <laughs> which he calls mm -hmm. tom <laughs> did you think tom was going to jail did no, you? I'm happy did you? Did you? Did you? Oh, I'm sure you are. You look really happy. Did you think he was though? Maybe he, there's a chance he was going to jail. Maybe Dad was going to go to jail. Fuck. Maybe I was going to go to jail. And because Kendall's that it was all about you. You thought it was ladies' night and they were playing your song. But guess what? You were wrong. All the men got together in man club and we decided, sweetheart, everything's fine. So just. You we know, got he it. is using you as a messenger boy, but as usual. Mm -hmm. You're too fucking dumb to see it. It's difficult. I get it. It's very difficult for you to have to do the dance for dad because you just suck at dancing. You're a piece of shit, you know that? It turns out he loves it when I do the daddy dance, but I guess that's because he loves me. He loves fucking me and he just doesn't want to fuck you anymore. What are you even talking about? You're so gross. <laughs> 
And uh, and then this, you know, and then Kendall walks in and he's very mad. He's like, why are you in here? Get these people out of here. And he's you know, probably, you know, drunk at this point as well. And it just gets uglier and uglier to the point where Roman like knocks him down, like knocks him to the ground. And yeah. a- after asking him to like punch him and uh, and and Kendall does not, he, you know, I, I honestly, man, if I was Kendall, I would have definitely punched Roman in the face. You know, yeah. So I will give I will give Kendall credit for like not wanting to have that as like a tabloid headline, but getting knocked down on the ground at your birthday party is also going to be in the tabloids as well. And that is going to be a pretty depressing headline for him the next morning to have to deal with. I mean, uh, we've seen some ugly sides of Roman here and there, but I think this is really the worst we've ever seen him. Oh, of course I skipped the entire, oh my God, how did I skip this? Probably the most important thing that happens in this entire episode is once again, go, speaking to the ascendancy of Roman, when he first makes it into the treehouse, we talked about how he kind of got past that bodyguard he does run into another very tall person alexander skarsgård matson inside basically says your product sucks uh gojo is the premium uh streaming product why would i want to work with you but more important last big legacy content library last fucking super app streaming platform we fit obviously right people say we fit yeah well i guess i do have one question now yeah hit me up when will your father die when will when will my father die? Yeah. Um, like I don't want to be rude, but what kind of shape is he in? We're talking less than a year, or is more like five years? Because um, if it's five, that's it's a long time. Uh-huh. It, it would be better sooner. Wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, no, 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 I know. Like we're we're laughing here, but you know that is my dad, so you know. It's just I, I don't like the idea of a man hanging over. It's, it's not my world, media. Yeah. So his death would clear space. Oh my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. The reality, right? Like Logan is someone who's in his 80s who had a stroke. Nobody <laughs> lives forever. He's not going to live for another 40 years, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. And of course, that is the other thing that is subtext to this entire show is that this Logan t- at this very moment says, this company will never fall. My decision-making is perfect. That is the reason that the company continues to succeed. And he says, this is 100% me. No one can replace me ever. And he's in his 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, If you legitimately say my brand, this product will fail 100% fall, crumble to ashes when I die. And I'm going to die within the next four years. Mm-hmm. Why would people buy your stock? It's the mm-hmm. most self-defeating thing imaginable. But Logan can't even get, once again, can't get out of his way. Uh, he's you know fighting against the inevitable and i guess maybe that's what he's struggling with is his own mortality here but it's just crazy like right like he this guy is in his 80s like how long could he possibly last yeah for sure matson is digging right into roman like you know twisting the knife telling him well your dad's gonna die sooner or later right and he sees how this is bothering roman but roman pivots once again roman pretty savvy pivots and goes well how about this deal you never have to talk to my dad and by the way the siblings keep making this offer to multiple people throughout the show as if Logan is ever going to like butt out of anyone's business. Right. But uh-huh. so it remains to be seen whether um, the Gojo deal goes through with this offer, but at least it's something to, to, to mull over. And of course the way he really gets him to, to dig, dig in on this, like one troll to another, like understanding each other's psychology. He says, you know what? I just loaded, I just opened up your website and I just like to see how long does it possibly take for the homepage just to load? How long does that take? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, Roman goes, hey, why don't we uh, go and piss on, <laughs> you know, my phone? 
So, and uh, of course he's up for this. He's like, all right, yeah, let's go to the urinal and I will piss on your phone while you load your, um, uh, your page. And then Roman has a funny interaction where he goes like, well, you can piss on, piss on the phone. I cannot piss next to another man. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to explore this in any way, but, right. <laughs> but right. I have this hang up and uh, right. we'll, we'll just move on. <laughs> but, uh, but he does, they do. He, he explicitly pisses on the phone and, um, sure and that, this, and this doesn't, it, this opens the door to, to the deal. He doesn't say, I agree, but he says, well, we'll have a conversation about it. And of course, Roman takes this as a victory and even tells his dad, like he's like, and he walks home, right? Doesn't even take his car home. He's like, I'm going to walk home. He's like so happy about this situation by the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And walking home proudly, by the way, calling his dad about this victory. And this is immediately after the scene we discussed just a moment ago, where he knocks his brother to the floor, right? So he's like a straight up, <laughs> no remorse, no conscience. I feel like Roman is someone who untethered is straight up like just a egomaniacal monster, but he has all these hangups. So mm-hmm. he's always kind of like a little diminished because of this. Right. But right now, given a little bit of power, <laughs> he is, you know, uh, you know, he is 100% monster right now. Monster, total monster. And then uh, we end up on the very sad note. Like we mentioned before, we see Kendall's back at his apartment. Uh, he's wrapped in a blanket. Naomi's there with him. I worry sometimes that he, you know, this is not the first time that he's been looking out from a very tall height. And I mm-hmm. wonder if he is contemplating the end here. Mm-hmm. But Naomi kind of coaxes him back and she's stroking his hair and rubbing his back. And, you know, I think he is speaking back to that idea of his, uh, you know, that opening image of him with his, uh, <laughs> you know, entering Kendall's world through the, the, the metaphorical vaginal canal that uh, <laughs> he does have this, you know, once again, talking about psychology, he has this broken maternal relationship, right? Like the kids weren't even told something we skipped over in the yes we totally told skipped over that yes the mom's remarrying and, and didn't uh, bother to tell anybody yeah exactly kendall is licking his wounds back at home hopefully this does bring him closer to naomi i hope this leads to some kind of healthy interactions i don't think it's going to happen <laughs> but hopefully and roman is ascendant and is pure socio <laughs> sociopathy and uh, shiv is once again very dinged by all these interactions between her father and Roman. And of course, Roman being like a surrogate for her father in so many ways. So yeah, it ends on this very ugly note. I do wonder how this show is going to move itself forward. I feel like we're retreading a lot of the same ground in different contexts, right? Of like, who's dad's favorite, who it's going to happen to the company. I mean, yes, they've inserted this presidency angle, which is a big one. Oh, and yeah. I wanted to say, I think, you know, I've had continuing questions about the time frame here. Yeah. But I think in not this episode, but the previous one, they say something about six months to the election. I think it was so, four months. I think it was four months, if I was remember. Was it four correctly. months to the election? Yeah, okay. I think so. So, yeah. and everybody's wearing like summer clothes at Kendall's party. So yeah. that adds up that we're now in like a, a summertime kind of time frame, um, yeah. which means that like what? 10 months has passed since the show started. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, there, we, we, it's, it's over a year because, but, but yeah, not much more than a year, like you were saying, because this is the second board meeting. The opening season was leading up to the board meeting and now we've just had the board meeting. So yeah, so it's like a few months before the board meeting. And also we've also had an election, right? So uh, it's a few months before that election and now we're at another election. So yeah, I mean, to your point, in three seasons, this is going to cover 15 months, maybe 15 months. So it's like yeah. f- five months per season, more or less. So 
I mean, I don't know. Like we're inching forward. And, I, and listen, I understand, realistically speaking, we do get stuck in these family dynamics that repeat themselves over right. and over. Right. But um, plot wise, I'm just not sure where this is going. Right. How about you? Oh, yeah, no, I agree with all that. I, and <laughs> that goes back to where I'm thinking about that. You know, it's kind of a revelation for me last week where you kind of think about the stakes are like kind of the future of the country because those are real stakes. Uh, it, because mm-hmm, like sure. you said, if we sit there and go, okay, the stakes in this show, like the plot, the trajectory is like, who's going to, you know, get the succession. No one's going to get the succession until the dad dies. And here's my potential read on this show. I think the father is going to die. It's going to be a surprise at some point. The dad is going to die unexpectedly on the show, even though he's like so important to the show. And I think there's going to be fallout from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think that's the only way the show can go, right? Because, you know, he's very old. And and like you said, if all of this is like, who's going to end up on top, uh, you know, if the dad's going to pick somebody, like crown somebody, mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. his success, you know, succeeder. I don't think that that's, who cares? <laughs> you know, like who cares? They're all monsters at this point. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, uh, so I think the stakes are, once again, uh, you know, legitimately the stakes are like what the, you know, the the collateral damage, like those secondary characters, what happens to them? because of the fallout of these Titans, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think that Logan can make it to the end of the show, that the comeuppance of his mistakes are not in him having these toadies around him who do what they, he wants and makes him you know, feel invulnerable. It's that he has no succession plan so that when he's out of the picture, the whole thing falls apart, right? And uh, mm-hmm. if all these people were his enemies are gonna like eat up the corpse of the business. Yeah. And I think that would be interesting to watch, right? Uh, because if we just see like, you know, every single week, like you said, I totally agree. Logan plays one sibling against the other. And then one sibling does well, the other one does badly. And then whatever the shakeout is, whoever of those siblings made the right decision, Logan puts his arm around them and goes, you're my favorite. And then the next week, the next guy is, oh, Kendall, now you're my favorite. Oh, Shiv, now you're my favorite. And that's all that happens for the next two or three seasons. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? Right. So um, right. I think something kind of catastrophic has to happen. I was actually thinking and kill, not maybe not kill off Logan, but incapacitate him, right? They've teased it multiple times this season. And I wonder if that's not what's going to happen here. And then we're going to see the, you know, the, as uh, Logan even said a couple of uh, episodes ago that, you know, like the vultures are circling, the sharks are mm-hmm. you know, smell blood mm-hmm. in the water. Right. So mm-hmm. and I think that that has to play out at some point. Maybe mm-hmm. not, maybe not, maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe it won't happen at the end of the season, but there's going to be something big that happens at the end of the season. And I have no idea what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. So next episode, this is interesting. Did you see the coming attractions? I did, but you know, I'm very bad at grasping what's going on. <laughs> so a couple of interesting things, very interesting things that happen in the preview. First of all, they are going to the, the mom's wedding. So everybody's there, including, right. including yes. Logan. It appears Logan is there as well. So another marriage. And like you were saying that, you know, the timeline of the show, we were four months from the election last episode. They were saying that Kendall's birthday is coming up. Didn't sound like it was like coming up in a day. It sounded like it was maybe a few weeks away. So we've jumped a few weeks probably to Kendall's birthday. They just found out about the wedding last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the wedding wasn't like going to happen. Like, oh, she's getting married next week. I think she was getting married at some point in the future. So we probably jump. We're probably getting pretty close to the election. So maybe we jump to the election in the finale. But I actually have a feeling that we're just going to be leading up to the election, the finale. We won't actually feels go all that the way. way. Yeah, yeah. It does feel it's that too way. much to try to shove into one episode, I mean, the whole yeah. election. Like, you know, maybe there's some controversy about something that 
Madsen says, is Madsen's name? I'm confusing everybody's name now, but um, that you know that they're. That's why short... I just call them by the actor names. <laughs> yeah, who's or the, I don't know the that. brother from Weeds? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the brother from Weeds. Okay, so um, maybe there's some controversy about something he said or something in his past comes out, and now they're trying to do some spin control because they're backing him. So maybe something like that happens, but all leading up to the election, I don't think it's going to be the election itself proper. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, maybe that's a tease. In the previously ons in this episode, there was Shiv talking to one of her choices for the Republican candidate. And he was saying, if you get me to be president, I will kill your father, basically, like yes. metaphorically. Mm-hmm. And they played that in the coming attractions. But there's well, nothing- I that. Okay. Oh, they played it in. Yeah, they played it in this episode's coming attractions, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's no reference to it in this show. But I'm wondering, did they leave it there because Shiv is going to be like, maybe she go back to political consultancy will angle for that guy against mm-hmm. her family's pick. And then, you know what I'm saying? And then yep. if he wins, right, then she's like, and we have a deal. You are going to take yep. down and you're going to put me there. That's what you said. Right. Yeah. We're going to work it out. So maybe she has an angle here. And she has potentially a um, a partner in Hope Davis, right? Who we also see in the coming uh, on the previously ons, we see Hope Davis reacting to something badly. Yeah, and, who by uh, the way is in your honor, which we discussed in connection with Dexter for some reason. <laughs> so, yeah, we, yeah, oh, well, your honor, you did, yeah, we did mention your honor just in the last episode. You're right. You're right. I was just actually so before Father we started. Sun Dynamics, we're yes. talking. Yes, right, right. <laughs> it's funny because just as we we started recording here. I was currently editing that episode and that's the section I was on right towards the end of our conversation. Yeah. And I'm, I probably will watch some of that show, by the way. Plot holes are going to kill you, but (laughs) but I (laughs) we'll see. I am kind of a stickler for, for egregious plot holes. So maybe that could make me, uh, make make me (laughs) quit on the show, but we'll see. Oh, but I wanted to bring up another important thing that we see in the coming up is not only the remarriage, which of course is probably going to lead to a lot of comedy. We see Kendall kind of confronting Kendall's now shaved his head basically. And uh, in the coming attractions, I and that, yes, and she's and he's uh, coming at his family basically, like wants to put everything out on the table. This isn't the first time we've seen this, by the way. So that's not what's newsworthy. What is newsworthy here is, and I don't know how this is going to play out, but apparently the Gojo deal is in play. But it looks like there's some deal on a table where there's some kind of stock exchange between Gojo and Royco, and this is my guess based on this very brief interaction on the coming attractions but my guess is that they have some kind of stock swap going on they have signed this deal and apparently it looks like uh roman's on the phone with scarsgard's character and what he's done is he's done something on the internet maybe doing something like what elon musk does on twitter sometimes to drive up the the price of cryptocurrency he's done something in the public sphere that is driving up the price of the company, right? And since Royco has signed some contract to buy them at some price, and he's jacking up the value of his own company, that he is basically on paper bankrupting Royco because Royco does not have the stock value to buy their stock out. Wow. I missed this entirely. Okay. (laughs) By the way, this is like, (laughs) this is like 10, 15 seconds in the preview, but I, I am connecting the dots on these different scenes because everyone's freaking out. You see Hope okay. Davis, Hope Davis is freaking out about, you know, they, they basically saying like, this is going to bankrupt the entire company. You hear Roman on the phone uh, with uh, Skarsgård and Skarsgård's like just blowing him off. And he's like, you fuck me, you fuck me. Right. So mm-hmm. 
And anyway, I am guessing at what's happening here, but it's some kind of maneuver. And, and I'm connecting the dots and saying, well, what could possibly happen here? Anyway, that's my pure speculation. Maybe I'm getting myself a little overly excited for something that isn't going to happen, but we'll see. <laughs> I think it's good speculation. <laughs> Imagine I'm completely wrong. I like completely misread the whole entire thing next week. <laughs> uh yeah so that's it did you have any recommendations anything else you saw on the week uh that you wanted to, i mean i know you had a lot of recommendations that yeah they, come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, actually i want to call that out at least um uh, sona had a lot of recommendations uh, and i had a couple as well in our dexter recap so even if you aren't watching dexter check out the episode which is going to publish before this one the dexter recap most recent one uh early on because uh sona has some hot takes like stand by me is a good movie things like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's not looking for a 30-year-old movie to watch? <laughs> hey, you know what? Everything old is new again. It's new to someone. So. <laughs> but I'm being facetious. We actually have a, a good conversation. There are probably 15 minutes conversation about different recommendations. <laughs> a bunch of things that Sona saw while she was on vacation. Um, God bless the seat back television. On the yes, thank goodness. <laughs> the uninterrupted time. Well, interrupted by your child, but he's watching TV too. So I guess uh, yeah. a, a way to get to caught up on all the things you haven't watched yet. Amazing. I have some Marvel stuff that I've been watching and I will try to have that episode out. I keep saying I'm going to put it out. I'll see if I have time this week to actually put it out there. But I did watch Hawkeye and I enjoyed that. The first two episodes have already dropped and I saw Shang-Chi, which is really good. I really enjoyed it. One of my favorite Marvel movies and I'll hopefully have a full review of that as well. And uh, that's about it. I saw Dune on HBO Max. It was excellent. Uh, I wish I'd seen it on the big screen. It was really, really good. Uh, My only complaint there is that they spent a fortune easily 200 million dollars plus between making and producing this movie and it just ends in the middle they're like literally at the beginning it says dune part one and i'm like uh that's a pretty ballsy move to make half a movie <laughs> and you have no idea if the second one's ever going to get made <laughs> they are making it and made enough money where they're going to make the second one and um, actually this is very good it's very good i highly recommend so uh we will talk to you again next week great can't wait to see this next episode Hopefully, it's a very entertaining disaster of a wedding. Yes. (laughs) We can only hope. Yes. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Well, your father made it. You know the story? What, the skunk, the porcupine, and the concubine? Probably the best wedding present I'll ever get. We are to choir Gojo. This is bigger than anything you've ever contemplated. Gojo's price is moving up. He played your room. Do you want this deal? I just want to get myself the best of everything. I don't like things going on I don't know about. Let's just have it out. I want to see you, Dad, on your own. 